0: Welcome to the Panda Babes Podcast. I'm your host, Kate. This week, I'm joined by my friend, Jacqueline, who's our first international guest from our friendly Canadian neighbors to the north. And she has a beautiful story about the joys of becoming pregnant against all odds, how she struggled with pregnancy and birth throughout ever-changing COVID protocols, and giving a very real perspective of the mental, physical, and emotional toll of having a baby in the NICU during a pandemic. I'm incredibly excited to share this story with you. Enjoy. Enjoy. Welcome to the Panda Babes Podcast. I'm Kate, and today I have Jacqueline with me. Hi, Jacqueline. How are you?
1: Hi, Kate. I'm good. How are you?
0: I am doing really, really well. I am very excited to be here and telling your story. Jacqueline is another good friend of mine, and a little fun because uh, Jacqueline is one of my good Canadian friends. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Jacqueline why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself
1: I'm excited to be your first Canadian caller I guess to the podcast <laughs> um, I'm Jacqueline I live in Calgary Alberta Canada um, I live here with my husband Corey and my son Grayson and I have 2 stepsons, Kate and Connor who are a little bit older than Grayson's age mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: wonderful well where will we be starting your story today
1: I thought about this really hard, but I actually kind of want to start in January of 2020. Okay. So I had like just recently found out that I was pregnant um, in November, I guess of mm-hmm. that of just the year prior, and I remember I remember hearing and starting to hear lots of news from coronavirus that things were really scary overseas. Mm-hmm. And we started to get the news for us in downtown Calgary. I worked downtown Calgary for an oil and gas company. And I had a lot of coworkers and a lot of friends who had a lot of family overseas. So I started to hear more reports from them about being worried about their family. And I Listen to the news and I heard about the coronavirus and I always felt like it was this far away thing. Like I remember one of my girlfriends said that her parents were over there and she was super worried about them. And I was like, Oh, but it's just a cold. It's just a flu. Mm-hmm. And now thinking back to that time, I guess as a little side note, who could have thought that a moment in time where you hear about something so far away can make such a huge impact on your day to day life? Almost two full years later. Isn't that wild to think about? It's crazy to think about. Mm. But I wanted to note that because I wanted the world to know that the impact of this this coronavirus not only has happened so long ago, but I think it's going to stretch so far. Because if we think back to the beginning, life has changed so much since then. Mm -hmm. It really has. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, I digress. I started to hear about coronavirus didn't really think much of it i was just super excited mm-hmm. i have been with my husband for almost 10 years he'll fight with me and tell me it's nine <laughs> but i was about 18 or 19 when i had um every woman has to go through them you go for your regular monthly or yearly pap tests. Mm -hmm. They check to make sure life is good and mine was not good. Okay. I went from having a completely healthy cervical system one year to having high grade cancerous Squamish cells. Wow. And at 18 and 19, I was told that I would never be able to have children because I had too much scar tissue on my cervix. Oh wow. And I just needed to take it off the table And Mm -hmm. at the time, I think like I felt a lot of feelings about it, but you never really feel the gravity of the situation until you're ready to start a family of your own. Sure. And so now I'm in this position it's, you know, 2020, I'm newly Mm -hmm. pregnant, never thinking that I could get pregnant. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden coronavirus comes into play. And what should be this amazingly exciting time in a normal pregnant woman's life,
2: mm-hmm.
1: let alone mine, who was told that she was never, ever gonna be able to have kids again? Mm-hmm. This scary thing starts happening, and my normal happy pregnancy, I'm stuck in a house
2: mm-hmm.
1: with mm-hmm. all these fears. So March of 2020 hits, and I am, I don't know, second trimester. I'm trying to think back on times, and I always feel like everything was a blur.
0: Yeah, that's that's about second. Yeah, end of second.
1: Yeah, right? End of second. And I'm starting to hear that things are getting closer. Things are here. Things are starting to get shut down. And what we always thought, or what I always thought, was this faraway thing that was never going to come close to us is all of a sudden in my backyard.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And much like all of you women that I've heard in the last five episodes, you just start to wonder what's going to happen. There's mm-hmm. no information about coronavirus and what it does to pregnant women. There's no knowledge because we've never had something to this effect before. Mm-hmm. And so now I'm stuck brand new pregnant, in my second trimester, wanted this forever, didn't think it could happen, and I am terrified, Kate. Mm -hmm. What am I going to do if I happen to get coronavirus and I'm pregnant and I lose this baby? Absolutely. Right? That'd be terrifying, Yeah. yeah. Yeah, like I feel like I just started this terrifying journey, and I feel like I tried to take everything with a grain of salt and tried to push forward, but then mm-hmm. we like skip forward to March, like I said earlier, and now I'm stuck at home as pregnant, and my kids are home from school, and life shuts down. So up to this point we kind of feel like it's not happening, things aren't too stressful, it's not super prominent here. And then it gets here and life stops. So I felt like everything kind of went to the wayside. Mm-hmm. I I think my biggest struggle was that as a pregnant woman or as a woman in general who tries, to, you know, who has a family, we get excited for what this perceived notion of what your pregnancy should be, right? Mm-hmm. Right. So you get you get excited to be able to share your growing belly with your friends and family and you get excited to, you know, have the baby showers and the gender reveals and mm-hmm. all of that stuff and yeah. as funny as it sounds, as your first pregnancy, I really felt like I was robbed.
0: That is yeah, so true.
1: Yes. And I feel like talking to our women friends that we've connected with over the last two years, I feel like it's a common theme, right? Because a lot of us are first-time moms who've never been with this before. Mm-hmm. And I feel like you have this expectation, right? And with that expectation and like things not happening as you expect it to, I feel like mental health starts to kick in so you're Mm -hmm. stuck in your house you've got added stressors in my case it's homeschooling two children I'm worried about baby I'm worried about you know a virus and honestly I think my mental health was probably at an all-time low I had two kids at home one is he's almost 14 now so he would have been 12 at the time and I I have a nine-year-old too so it was tough I was like homeschooling, which you probably have never done in your life. No. I would not recommend it. Teachers, <laughs> teachers need raises. Teachers need oh my raises.
0: God. There's one thing we've learned because yeah, of 2020.
1: <laughs> I totally agree. Teachers need raises. But, yeah, so, like, I've got that on my plate. I'm growing this baby. My mental health is really struggling. I'm really worried, right? And I think mm-hmm. a lot of us were at the time. Mm-hmm. Hmm. But it didn't really kick in until I started, like, going to my doctor's appointments. Now, because I had all of these issues with my cervix, I Mm -hmm. was deemed high risk. Okay. Um, I was told by a couple of OBs that if I ever were to get pregnant, which I was lucky enough to, Mm -hmm. that I would have difficulty carrying a baby to term. Oh. But nobody ever really could tell me what that meant, right? They just right. told me that my body was an inhospitable environment for oh. a baby to grow right <laughs> That's such a harsh way to put that. <laughs> it is it totally is, but I mean it's true, right? Like my body just really there's a lot of scar tissue and a lot of damage on my cervix. so that's what they say, right? like mm-hmm. it just it is not a healthy, happy cervix, I guess okay. <clears throat> So I wasn't really stressing. I wasn't really worried. I was, like, super bummed out about doing a gender reveal. I was, mm-hmm. like, super bummed out about, like, not having a baby shower. Mm-hmm. But I was, like, let's focus. Let's focus on these two kids that I already have, make sure that their mental health is good because they're struggling, right? I mean, sure. they've all they've literally just been thrown at home after, like, being in the normal life with their friends. And then all of a sudden, they're, like, locked in the bedroom, like, on online school. Like, they're struggling.
2: Absolutely. Growing
1: this baby. So I gotta like make sure I'm eating right, make sure I'm sleeping, make sure I'm like getting enough exercise. I just tried to really just like buckle down and not try and worry about it. Mm-hmm. And then I started going to like doctor's appointments, and I had this amazing women's health doctor here in Calgary. I'm willing to give any Canadian mom her name. She's great. <laughs> we got hookups yeah right (laughs) but she only works out of one hospital now I live in like rural Alberta like I work in downtown Calgary and my kids go to school in Calgary but like I live outside of the city so access to a hospital is a little bit different for me sure and so she's a great doctor so Mm -hmm. I traveled for her because I really like liked her care Mm-hmm. But she practiced out of a hospital that was about an hour away from where I lived. Oh, wow. <clears throat> so, like, in the thick of things, if I'm, like, going into labor, I really don't want to have my husband speed racing down, you know, the highway <laughs> to no and get to the hospital. <laughs> mm-hmm. So we just came up with a plan to apply to a bunch of clinics closer to me and closer to my preferred hospital so we can get myself and my plan kind of set up okay. so she put in recommendations and referrals I think it was to three different high-risk clinics okay and I was rejected from every single one of them oh wow why so one of them was because I was too high risk for them they just wanted like easy moms with easy babies I don't know that's <laughs> what they said it was too out of their norm. <laughs> wow. okay okay um, and the other two said that they weren't accepting patients because of coronavirus. Oh, sure. They oh. didn't want to be overloaded. Mm-hmm. They didn't want to have extra, I guess, stressors when there was so much unknown going on. Sure. Oh. So they, like, shut their doors. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so I started panicking. Like, what do you do? Right. Right
0: having to like drive an hour at a moment's notice if something doesn't feel right or whatever. I mean, that would be, that'd be insane. That'd be really difficult.
1: Yeah. And like, I mean, I would if I had to, but like, it's not the ideal situation, Mm -hmm. but I feel like that kind of became the theme. Like none of those has an ideal situation.
0: (laughs) That's going to be my new slogan for this podcast is not an (laughs) ideal situation.
1: (laughs) I love it. Fully endorsed. (laughs) (laughs) so we she applied she reapplied to one of them and Mm -hmm. provided more information more details whatever she could and really recommended based on like my location that they accept me Mm -hmm. and like we didn't really have we didn't really have a play in hand so she sent this one back waited, 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 and then they accepted me. And I was like, Mm. it was like this huge stress relief, like huge Mm -hmm. stress relief. I didn't get in contact with them. They said that they would contact me a little bit closer to like third trimester when things would get kind of more worrisome for me in my situation or Mm -hmm. we'd start to need to do more, you know, regular appointments. Okay. So I think that was just before Christmas.
0: Was this clinic... Uh, so this clinic was for all your appointments or just certain types of appointments.
1: So she would transition me completely. Okay, okay. So she took care of me up to that point. And then once I hit 20 weeks, she would just move me completely to this new clinic. This okay. was, it was, it was a maternal fetal, fetal medicine clinic Okay. who would take care of everything for me.
0: Perfect. Okay.
1: Yeah. So got the acceptance just before Christmas And then all of a sudden in January, I got a voicemail from the clinic saying, we've decided that we're going to move a different route. We can no longer accept you. Mm -hmm. And they didn't even give me a reason. But I was like flabbergasted. I called them back and Mm -hmm. I begged and I pleaded with them. I said, nobody else will take me. You've already accepted me. Please continue. And they said, just unfortunately, the circumstances of coronavirus, we cannot have you on as a client. But... We are going to refer you directly to the high risk obstetrician at the hospital that I ended up delivering at. Okay. So it was the fetal maternal medicine clinic at one of the one of the new hospitals near us called South Health Campus. So mm-hmm. I ended up going getting getting accepted to this clinic and I was Happy but cautious because I just felt like I was kind of put through the ringer. Sure. I feel like the last thing that a pregnant woman should worry about with all of these stressors that I've already talked about Mm -hmm. is getting quality medical care. Absolutely. I mean, like at what point do these people stop pushing you away?
0: Yeah, especially since you have, you know, you're a high risk pregnancy. There's a pandemic going on. You're far away from any other types of clinics. Yeah, I feel like somebody, somebody should be opening their doors.
1: Yeah, so I was optimistic because it was at the hospital that I really wanted to deliver at. I felt really happy and really secure, but I was still cautious. So they booked me my first appointment for April. Okay. Got the notice in the mail. Please call and confirm. Everything is great. And I went to my first appointment, and I met them, and the team was awesome. Oh, good. They, yeah, it was, It was like, it was almost, like, this huge relief off my shoulders. Now, mind you, I wasn't allowed to have my husband with me, I mean, which mm. is a common theme amongst all these appointments.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But I was, like, I felt like I was just in this position where, like, you want me? Yeah, I'll come along. Life is good. <laughs> you just, like, whatever you need to do, I'll be there. Right. Hat on, shoes on, whatever you need. So... I go, I have my first appointment, I meet with a cardiologist because, uh, fun little fact, my heart is on the wrong side. No way. Yeah. I so didn't know that about called, you. Yeah, so it's called dextrocardia. It just means that my heart is like a mirror image of say yours as an example. Uh-huh. And there's two types in this world. So there's dextracardia, and then there's dextrocardia inversa. And the inversa is where um, everything, like all of your internal organs are on your image and then there's the one that I have which is just extra cardio, where it's just my heart so mm-hmm. they wanted to kind of monitor my heart and mm-hmm. baby's heart because they didn't know if he would have the same genetic disorder. Oh sure. Yeah, so I had a cardiologist and an anesthesiologist because at high risk they need to prepare you know if I've mm-hmm. got, if we need to go to emergency surgery Mm-hmm. And I meet all these people and I like leave on cloud nine and everything is great. Mm -hmm. And then we kind of progress a little bit more and I get a notice in the mail Mm -hmm. that my maternity clinic Mm -hmm. is closing its doors (gasps) to become a COVID ICU ward. Oh my gosh. Because at this point in life, uh, Calgary, where I live, is becoming a hot spot for COVID. hmm Oh, my gosh. I remember gosh. being devastated, Kate. Like, I just... I can't I felt like... I felt like we were, like, we had our backs up against the wall. Like, what do we do? Do I just, like, drive to a hospital with no doctors that I'm... That I know, with no bonds formed, no OB in place, no cardiologist oh. in place, and just, like, have a baby? Mm-hmm. Like, how, what, what is it going to be like? Right. So... They transferred the patients in two ways. So the the high-risk patients were sent to one hospital in our city. And non-high-risk patients were routed to the other hospital. And I was horrified. Horrified Mm -hmm. at delivering at this hospital that I was designated at. Mm -hmm. They're not known for having a good bedside manner. Mm -hmm. They are... Way far away from my home. So not quite an hour, but at least 45 minutes. Mm -hmm. It just, it felt like after all the fight and everything that we were really at a loss again.
0: What a slap on the face. Yeah. Uh. Literally.
1: It's like adding insult to injury, right? Mm. You're already struggling. You're already doing whatever you can to get day by day. And it's just like, no, sorry. Mm. You don't matter.
0: Right. Well,
1: And I I get it. And so
0: many of those appointments, it was... I mean it was hard because you couldn't have, you know, your significant other or anybody else there with you, but at least when I at least for me, when I went into my appointments, it was a little bit of control in such an uncontrollable situation because if there's one thing that women have been doing for millennia, it's giving birth. And yeah. for the most part, I mean they couldn't tell me anything about how COVID could affect that, but at least they could say, Hey, you're at this point in your pregnancy. This is what's going on, this is what's coming next. And so at least having those appointments was a little bit of control in such a maddening and crazy world.
1: Yeah, it's like confirmation that you are doing everything that you should be doing throughout your pregnancy. Mm -hmm. You're healthy. Your baby is healthy. Right. You get those. They're almost like security checkpoints. Exactly. Mm hmm. So I don't know. It was a huge struggle. I was super stressed. I didn't know what I was going to do. My husband and I had like talked like, do we just like drive to the hospital that we want to drive to? What if something happens? What if they don't have my file? What Mm -hmm. if we have to go to emergency surgery and we're, you know, an hour away and something happens? Like you're just, your mind starts to go to every worst case scenario that you could imagine. Mm Mm-hmm. And I think this is probably the point where my mental health was struggling, right? I'm sure. working from home. Uh-huh. I'm working from home, like a nine-hour like a nine hour day,
0: mm-hmm. which
1: is long. I've yeah. got two kids, and I'm trying to homeschool. And, like, it's tough on all of us. Like, it's just not easy. So, mm-hmm. I don't know. It was really hard. And then we had a 20-week ultrasound mm-hmm. that was also super traumatic. Like you, I think I remember from your story, like, Alfie was a mover. Oh, yeah. He did not want to stop, right?
0: Exactly. Yeah, he would bury himself down, like, in the bottom of my uterus. And, like, they could hardly... Like, I would be in there doing, like, lunges and all sorts of stuff just trying <laughs> to get him
1: to move. <laughs> they literally had me doing jumping jacks at one point. Oh like, a pregnant woman <laughs> doing jumping jacks <laughs> to try and get Grayson to move. Like, so, he just was, like... Mm-hmm. From the beginning, he marched to the beat of his own drum. So mm-hmm. we had this 20-week ultrasound and... I don't know if the ultrasound tech was inexperienced, or if Grayson wasn't cooperating, mm-hmm. or if it was like a perfect storm of events. Mm-hmm. But like <laughs> you'd be that, the anatomy scan isn't like a pleasant scan. No, like they're looking for things, they're checking stuff, they're measuring you, right? Mm-hmm. What should have been a forty-five minute to an hour appointment was almost two and a half hours. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Yeah, like it was like really hard, and I was rolling around the table and I was jumping up and down, and I was like knees on the table. And then at one point in time, she could not get an image of the heart at all. Mm -hmm. And then my mind starts going because, like, we already have a cardiologist at play, and I'm just like stressed, like, I'm a stress case. Like, I just like looking back on this, like, how did I, how did we survive? No kidding yeah so it was a super traumatic time we found out the gender in a little envelope Mm -hmm. but i was so emotional like they ended up doing i think three internal ultrasounds like three separate times like to try it it didn't work she'd take it out Mm -hmm. i mean at one at one point she actually let me use the washroom because like you're pregnant and your bottle's full Uh (laughs) like you drink so much water (laughs) but it was just really bad and i just i felt like at every step that it was like a roadblock. So it was just, I don't know, it was just a really weird time and everything. Oh, yeah. Things were, yeah, like things were just really, really, really hard. Mm -hmm. So we kept on the envelope. We didn't share it with anybody. I could not bring myself to look at it because I just like didn't have like the wherewithal. Like it was just like a struggle. And I really wanted it to be a positive thing. Mm -hmm. And I'd always had in my heart that like we would do like a, like, not even a big gender reveal, because I'm not, like, I didn't want it to be, like, extravagant. But I wanted to share that moment with family and friends. Like, this is the time. Right. You get to shine, babe. This yes. is Yes, this is your spotlight. You, you didn't think this was going to happen, and now it is. You soak up every minute, right? So I held on to it. I couldn't open it. We kind of continued. And then things started to get better in our city. Mm-hmm. And it turns out, I mean, I'll... cut out the middle here but they ended up reopening the ward at our hospital so Mm -hmm. i actually got a phone call from the fetal maternal medicine at the hospital that i was originally going to deliver at and like i remember this phone call as clear as day the nurse was on the line and she said our offices are open you can come back in you will deliver here and it was like this bright, sun shining day coming down on all of us. I was like, "Yes, we can make through this." Ugh,
0: that must have so been I, such a like, yeah, such a relief and just a weight off your shoulders.
1: Yeah, so I feel like it was such a huge struggle, and it was like this bright, shiny, shiny day. And it was like, "This is what we need. We're gonna push and get through this. Numbers are doing good. We're finally getting to this point where we can kind of." Have a little glimpse of life. Mm-hmm. I still can't have my husband at my appointments, but we're going to make it through it. Life is good. Mm-hmm. So, we had a video gender reveal. I think I remember you saying that you had one on Zoom.
0: I did. I had, well, for the gender reveal, we uh, like FaceTimed our family and we had balloons oh, that we like pulled into the picture.
1: <laughs> oh, that's fun. That's, like, what do you do, right? Yeah. You limited options. Cool. <laughs> Corey, he's like I don't know. He's like engineer by night, uh-huh. but he pulled out our shot back mm-hmm. and we filled it with glitter. Oh my gosh! Like blue glitter because is obviously a boy, <laughs> and he like engineered this like pipe to come out of the shot back, and we did like a like a ten second like video clip mm-hmm. where it, like shot me. Oh my gosh! With the blue glitter on camera and like. <laughs> even to this day there's glitter in my house like I see it like we have a like an exercise room in our basement Uh and I am like on the elliptical the other day and I was like is that a blue glitter hanging from the ceiling you did it you you did it indoors
0: (laughs) (laughs) just glitter bombed your house
1: (laughs) yeah they think pregnant ladies are crazy I mean maybe that was my crazy thing I
0: I love it though that's so fun (laughs)
1: Yeah, so we did that, trying to like capture like a glimpse of excitement. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so life was good. I felt like we were really on the right track.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Kids were kind of getting into their groove of things with school. Mm-hmm. Um, I was going to, I think, every other week appointments and everything really seemed to check out. So they kept telling me that I was going to have this high risk pregnancy, but I really had an easy pregnancy. Good,
0: good. And did Hi. you did you feel like your mental health was improving after yes. getting these calls that you know, okay, hospitals back open, Hi. we get to celebrate a little bit. Did that kind of turn things around a little bit for you?
1: You bet it did. Like I felt like I had a little bit of control. There was a plan in place. The hospital that was closest to us was back open. I was going in person to these biweekly visits. Mm-hmm. Didn't get to bring my husband with me, but like honestly, I felt like I would take what I could get at this point and I really mm-hmm. just felt like we were kind of in the upswing. Yeah. The only the only big side effect that I would say that I had was restless legs. Did you ever have that during I, pregnancy? I did.
0: I did. And I took oh I took magnesium for it and that helped a little bit. <laughs> yes, uh, I did like the, the same thing. The drink or whatever. Did you do that? Or did you no, take like I pills? Had
1: I took pills. I took three of them once a day and it like touched it, but I don't think it cured it.
0: Yeah. It definitely helped me. Yeah. I wouldn't say it like cured it, but I did like a, mine was like a drink mix. It was like a lemonade almost. I think it's called calm. Um, But I I remember drinking that like every single night and just like chugging
1: it. (laughs) Whatever I could do to get some sweet, sweet relief. Like you never think about that with like side effects of pregnancy. Mm hmm. Like, I never thought that, like, restless legs would be my thing. Yeah. Yeah, everyone's
0: like, oh, you'll get heartburn. Oh, you're like, your back's going to be sore. Nobody, Yeah, nobody tells you that restless legs and...
1: Like, I didn't even get nausea. Like, I was never, like, sick in my first trimester. Like, not even, like, one time. And I took my prenatal vitamins on an empty stomach. Like, it Mm. was my fault, for Mm -hmm. sure. (laughs) But, like, restless legs were my thing. And I remember Mm. just being so uncomfortable. And my, like, arms and legs would fall asleep while I was sleeping. Mm. And then they would wake me up because I was so uncomfortable. I don't know. But that was my only thing. So I, like, they kept telling me that I was high risk and that I was gonna have issues, but like, I was healthy, I was happy, I did like mm-hmm. a one one kilometer loop every day with my dogs. like I really felt like we were like kind of on the upswing and things were going good. Nice. Yeah, like it was kinda, it was kind of like a sense of relief, like it felt like the world was crazy, but we were doing good and I was focusing on the positive things. Right. And I don't know about you, but did you try and plan to take like a couple weeks off before Alfie came?
0: So I actually ended up getting laid off in March.
1: Oh, I do remember that. Yeah,
0: so I had—I mean, I wasn't working at the time because I didn't want to like try to pick up a new job like two months before I'd go on maternity leave.
1: (laughs) Oh God, no.
0: (laughs) So I, yeah, so I had, I had too much time on my hands for a pregnant lady.
1: Yeah, I get it. Like sourdough bread. Oh my God. Dogs. You do what, do what you can, right? So
0: much banana bread and puzzles and like Zoom trivia nights. <laughs> I love
1: it. I love it.
0: But you, you were able to take off some time before, or you at least planned to?
1: Well, I planned to. My due date was July 26th. Mm-hmm. And I think I had booked two weeks off before. So we could do like some summer fun stuff with the boys who would be done school by then so we could kind of enjoy like our time as a family before the babe came and make sure that they felt important too because like a new brother coming in like things are changing for them also and I think it was important to make them feel like they were still loved so that was kind of our plan and like we're big campers. Coronavirus is happening so we can go camping like in our own Alberta backyard super safely.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So, yeah, like I was looking forward to that. And I was really lucky to be able to work from home. Like all my uh, all my co-workers, everything with like, our offices shut down. So I had been working from home since March 2020 it nice. was like i would like roll out of bed at like six fifty seven in the morning so i could like be <laughs> at work till like seven like uh-huh. it was a pregnant woman's dream honestly oh, like, no kidding yeah and so i was working one monday morning and i was on my couch just like hanging out and i closed my laptop for the day and i get off the couch and my water had broken <gasps> oh my gosh like i didn't even know like i was like literally on the phone with my coworker. <sighs> And my water had broken and I just like didn't realize. You just didn't know. No. Yeah, just didn't know. Like just like working like the laptop is warm in my lap. Like, yeah. no. like I just you didn't think about it. Uh-huh. So I was done work for the day and we had the boys at the time and we share 50-50 custody with them. So we uh-huh. have them every other week and they were with us. And I shut my laptop, I'm done work for the day. I get up and I'm like, oh my God. Oh, my God, I think my water broke. And I was 35 weeks at the time.
0: Okay, okay.
1: No signs of preterm labor, no issues other than the restless legs. And my water is breaking. And my husband, to this day, tells me that I peed on the couch. <laughs> it's different. <laughs> I should probably say, yeah, it is different, but it was a brand new couch. Like oh, a no. brand new <laughs> couch. Anyway. And I remember just kind of like, is this it? Is this what water breaking is? Because, like, mm-hmm. you don't know. Like, it's not like in the movies where it's like this huge gush of water. Yeah. I would just like waddle to the bathroom and like some would come out and then I would like sit down and like some more. Like, it was not like a steady, constant flow like mm-hmm. that's portrayed, right? So I right. didn't know what to expect. Mm-hmm. I sent Corey a text message. Probably the only woman in the history of ev- of ever to have her water break and to text her husband.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And then I get on the phone with my mom, and I'm like, "Can you can you tell me is this water breaking?" And she's <laughs> like, "You need to call the doctor, babe." Like, what Don't call me. <laughs> And I was 35 weeks long. Like, I was not prepared for this at all. Like Even though they told me, like, you're at risk for preterm birth. Mm-hmm. I was, like, having such a decent and healthy pregnancy that I was not ready. Like, there was no go bag. Oh, my gosh. There was mm-hmm. no, there was nothing. So I remember, like, toddling around my house. I texted my husband. and called my mom. And I was like, okay, I need to get things ready. The boys need to, like, pack a bag to go to their other home. Mm-hmm. I'm going to need this, 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 and this. And, like, meanwhile, Corey's, like, blowing on my phone. Right. He's, like, blowing on my phone, and I'm not even, like, noticing it. Oh, my like, God. Like, it's just, like, not. <laughs> I'm, like, trying to, like, get a hold of this, like, gushing water. just doing my thing. And I'm like, I need to drive the kids to the city. I can't drive to the city. Like, it was, like, this whirlwind of emotion.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I finally look at my phone, and Corey's like meet me in the city. I'm like, I can't, I can't drive. This is not, this is not what we can do. He's like, Oh no. Okay. I'm on my way. So he comes home and I'm just like, kind of like walking around my house. I walk over to the neighbor's house. We have amazing neighbors. And I was like, uh, I think my water broke. Can you check on the dogs? Cause we're going to the hospital. Yeah. And I remember my neighbor coming like over, I don't know, like a month later and she's like, How is it that you were like your water had broken and you're coming over in bare feet to come ask me to like walk your dogs and check on your dogs? This is not a normal (laughs) human being response. Uh, Yeah, like, but I'm like packing what I think I can pack. I packed like I don't know one pair of clothes for me, mm -hmm. no shampoo, no body wash. Like it was like literally the oddest assortment of things that I brought with me because I was just not ready for this moment. Sure, Corey comes home. He's Probably, I don't know what the best to describe it is. He's he's walking around like a chicken with his head cut off, <laughs> trying to like car seat, you boys, house. Like it was just like our whirlwind of emotions. We ship the older boys off. We get in the car or we get in the truck, mm-hmm. and he's like driving like a bat out of hell. And I'm like, no, like like life is good. I have right. like contractions. Life is good.
0: So you weren't feeling anything else at this point. Literally, it was no. just the water breaking.
1: Just the water breaking, if it weren't for the water, then, I, like, it didn't feel like labor at all.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But, like, I didn't know, like, what does labor feel like?
0: Right, yeah. But
1: I I did know that, I think, I think I probably called our helpline that said, and they said, like, if your water is broken, you need to go to the hospital because there is risk of infection, right? Mm-hmm, yeah. Once that water breaks, you have to seek medical attention. So that's kind of, like, the route that I was going by. Sorry, Yeah. So we get to the hospital and they bring us up to like a little triage room,
0: mm-hmm. right?
1: Nothing fancy, nothing special. And you're going to, you're going to chuckle, but they, they ask me like, we have to test, we have to test you. We mm-hmm. have to test the fluid that's coming from you to make sure that you didn't pee yourself. Right. So my husband is like cackling in the corner because he's like, <laughs> so you didn't pee on the couch. <laughs>
0: You're never going to let me live this down.
1: <laughs> no, like literally, like to this day, he brings it up. But they're like testing. So they're testing to make sure that it was my water that broke. I'm, you know, five weeks early. They've got the monitor hooked up to my tummy to make sure that they're checking like his vital signs. I'm doing like the kick counter, like the non-stress test, uh-huh. just to make sure that he's not in distress. And I think that we were in this room. I think we were in this room probably two hours Okay. And they were, like, testing my urine. They were checking on him. Mm-hmm. They were just trying to make sure life is good. And I guess that some women have, you know, just gone to the bathroom before and come in for labor and they just get sent home. So I think it's, like, an important part of their process. Sure. And I was appalled. I was appalled. I was like, I would know if I peed my pants.
0: <laughs> I'm sure – yeah, I'll bet that's happened a number of times, though, where – because, I mean, that definitely happens where, I mean, you're super pregnant and – you sneeze funny or you stand up too fast or whatever it is and it's like
1: (gasps) or you laugh yeah literally anything
0: yeah so like i guess like i mean i could see some people being a little overzealous about that but i mean if yours is like legitimately been leaking like all day
1: yeah they wanted to test my like underwear and like they wanted to put a pad in me to collect more like it was intense they had like a serious operation going wow so they confirmed that it was my water breaking and mm-hmm. he didn't seem to be too much in distress Good. and they got us into a labor and delivery room and they're like, it's go time.
0: Wow. Okay. So and I was like, I'm going to pause go you right there. So yeah. what were, what was the like COVID restrictions or like COVID protocols at your hospital at that time?
1: Yeah. So they were on lockdown. So it was, I guess I was really lucky. So you were allowed your, your birthing partner or husband or mm-hmm. whatever it was. And mm-hmm. um, I was really lucky because I was allowed one other support person. So that could have been like a doula or a mm-hmm. midwife. So I chose my mom. Mm-hmm. And she was like over the moon, happy that she could be a part of the special day. But other than that, like masks on all times. Um, I was to wear a mask in the room Um, But they didn't ever test us for COVID that I am aware of. Oh, wow. Okay. I I mean, they did like blood tests and they check all of that stuff when I got into the room, but they never did Mm -hmm. COVID tests on us. Um, Hand washing all the time Mm -hmm. and temperature checks like routinely, like it was pretty... Like, getting up to that spot. Mm -hmm. The way our hospital is set up is a little bit funky. So you come up from the parkade and there's, like, a check-in point where there's, like, security and, like, Mm -hmm. check-in booths where they screen you. And then you go to, like, another checkpoint. And that checkpoint, like, checks you further. New mask, hand washing. You go to a next checkpoint with a different door where you have to be buzzed in and insane stuff. So the hospital was very... As far as protocols go, it was locked down, mm-hmm. um, which I think is good when you're in a labor and delivery ward, mm-hmm. but I, it's, it's, it's a lot, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I was really worried that I was going to have to labor with a mask on.
0: Oh, my gosh. I can't imagine.
1: Yeah. I, it was It was a really heavy thought in my brain, but they allowed me, luckily, to labor without a mask on but Mm -hmm. all of the doctors, all of the nurses, I mean, as to be expected for a medical staff, Mm -hmm. they, they were, they were very, they had to be quite precise. Sure.
0: Oh man. That just every, every time, like every single episode when we go over kind of what it looked like at the hospitals, I just, I have such vivid pictures of hospital staff and medical personnel and everybody just decked out in PPE. And I, I mean, I remember not seeing the person uh, the woman who actually delivered my baby, uh, the doctor, she, I didn't see her face until much, much later after like Alfie had been delivered wow. and everything. I, I had, I'd never met her. I didn't see her face, and so
1: <laughs> I, I, remember, think...
0: I remember afterwards being like, "That's a little weird that I like had no idea who you were."
1: <laughs> you delivered my baby, yeah, but I never saw what you looked like, yeah. And I think that's a really that's a really important thing to know because if I'm honest with you, I never saw any of the faces of my doctors. Oh, yeah. Any of the faces of my nurses or any of the faces of my support staff. Mm-hmm. Isn't that a crazy thing to think?
0: Yeah. It, I mean, they were so nice and tried to be, like, as personable as they could. But, yeah. It, oh, it, yeah. It It is hard to kind of make those connections when – you got to really smile with your eyes in those scenarios. Well, it is,
1: right? And I'm the type of person that always, like, smiles behind my mask because like, I don't realize that you can't see me, right? So I'm, like, beaming at these people, and they're, like, they can't see me. They can't read it, right? Right. <laughs> I think a hu- such a huge part of, like, human interaction and, like, you know, getting to know people and forging relationships is facial expressions, right? Mm-hmm. So... I think as a humanity, I think another hugely unfortunate side of this is that we've lost that. Right. We're an expressive right. people. hmm.
0: Well, I and I can't imagine how hard it must be for medical staff to be trying to yes. assess a patient and not being able to see those like facial cues or like some of those verbal cues that just don't get picked up when you have a mask on. I'm sure. They're, oh, totally. I'm sure that, you know, further makes their job even more difficult.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Mm. So they moved you
0: up to your labor and delivery room. You're starting to get going. What happens next? I,
1: I'm starving. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Which is what I hear a common theme amongst all of these episodes and mm-hmm. all of these women. So I ended work at like 4.30, 4, 4.30. We go to the hospital. We get in the room. They do the testing. It's like 8.30 and I haven't eaten since 11. Oh, my gosh. And I spent my lunch hour washing walls. <laughs> oh. <laughs> like a crazy pregnant woman. Uh-huh. So um, because there was a risk of emergency surgery, I'm not allowed to eat at all. Uh, mm-hmm. Like no food. So like they always say like pack snacks for you like in your go bag and stuff. And like I wasn't allowed to eat anything. So <sighs> we were allowed to move food. Th- freely in our hospital. Like, I've heard a lot of women say that, like, once you're in, you're done. But we Mm -hmm. were allowed to move freely within our hospital. So Corey went down to the cafeteria, and he got me, I think it was something light, like a salad. (laughs) (laughs) Like, he got his pregnant wife a salad. Oh, my gosh. And it doesn't matter. He didn't think I want something too heavy. He didn't really know. I shoved it in my mouth. And once I was able to get the food in me, they were like, okay, so... You are not showing any signs of progressing. Mm -hmm. I am zero on the dilation scale. Mm. Oh my gosh. Um, We are going to start inducing you because the risk of infection increases hour by hour. Right. So I was like, all right, here we go. Mm -hmm. Let's do what we can do. So I called my mom. She lives about an hour and 45 minutes away. I was like, you need to get here. Get in the car. Right. Things but are happening. You know, <laughs> things are happening. So it was probably about eight thirty or nine thirty when they started the induction meds. And I was on um, so you guys are in the US, so I don't know if our medication is, is the same, but we have I was put on oxytocin okay. as my induction medication. And because I'm high risk and because my cervix is damaged, they start you off at levels and they only progress to the next level if all of my signs are okay and all Mm -hmm. of babe's signs are okay which is i'm pretty probably it's probably a pretty common theme sure that makes sense so they yeah so they would start me on these meds and i would go up two or three levels in the induction meds because they kind of have to dial them up right Mm -hmm. and grayson's heart rate would tank, and I didn't really think anything of it at the time. It's just like, well, this is what induction meds are, right? Mm -hmm. And and I, I don't know. Like, I always felt like I was super easy breezy throughout the whole situation. The only thing that I wanted was I wanted a vaginal birth. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to breastfeed. Those were my two, like, ride or die issues. Okay. As long as he was happy, as long as he was healthy, I was, like, totally okay with it.
2: hmm
1: So I was like, well, whatever we need to do. So every time his heart rate would drop, they'd have to stop the induction meds. hmm Because they want to make sure that he's okay. Right. Mm-hmm. So I think we got up to the next level of induction meds. Mm-hmm. And he was doing okay, and they would go up level by level by level, and I think I got up to level 10. Like, I don't know how the U.S. works, so I don't know if I'm speaking in your American terms. No, that's okay. <laughs> tell
0: tell yeah. it how, how yours went because, I mean, yeah. I'm sure even just across the board, it's going to be different with meds for everybody. So
1: totally, you're good. Totally, totally. So they got up to level 10, and his heart rate would plummet. Oh, my gosh. I'm uncomfortable. I am so uncomfortable. The mm-hmm. restless legs are killing me. I can't get in a good position. I was really struggling. Like hospital beds aren't comfortable no. on a good day, yeah, let alone when I'm like, I be on both arms. I'm getting induced. like I'm just really uncomfortable. So mm-hmm. I actually got the epidural mm-hmm. and my OBs suggestion. Like I was like always pro-drug from the beginning. Like, mm-hmm. if I need it, let's go for it. Yeah. And she recommended it to me because she said, You need to get some rest. This is not working for you. Mm -hmm. So she gave me the epidural to calm my restless legs. Oh, nice. Yeah. And it was the best decision that I ever could have made. I'm on the induction meds, I'm able to sleep. You know what I mean? That's kind of what my brain is going for. Yeah. So it was, uh, I don't know, it was probably the Tuesday early morning, like so the 23rd, like I went into labor on the 22nd of June Mm -hmm. and it was about four o'clock in the morning and I'm really uncomfortable. She's like, the anesthesiologist is here. Corey is sleeping in the little parent kind of like bed beside us and the anesthesiologist comes in and my husband is sleeping through six doctors. Oh my gosh. Like, I think I I think I heard you and I think I heard Kendra, I can't remember, saying mm-hmm. that they weren't allowed to have their husband in the room. No, mm-hmm. no, mine was there and he was snoozing through <laughs> me getting this huge needle in my back.
0: Yeah, you you got this, this, babe. Don't worry. I'm just going to yeah, nap.
1: <laughs> I had some great nurses and I was like, I'm kind of like a jokester, a little bit, whatever. So mm. I literally asked her, I was like, you need to throw this pillow at his face. He needs to be awake for this he did this to me. Witness no. this. <laughs> yeah, so he woke up, I hunkered down, like, like over the chair, and, like, they gave me a pillow to hug, and Corey was, like, kind of ho- hugging me, and they got the epidural in, and it was, like, this huge sense of relief for me. Mm-hmm. I think that, like, I've heard so many women say, like, I didn't want to do the drugs, or I wanted to feel and be strong, and mm-hmm. I really wanted to persevere, but, like, it wasn't even a pain for me. I was so uncomfortable and my legs hurt. Like it was almost like, all right, I have the power to do this now. I'm gonna Mm -hmm. be able to get some rest and be able to be strong enough to get this baby out. Like it was a game changer. Totally.
0: I totally agree
1: with that. Yeah, so got the epidural in. It was probably about four o'clock in the morning, and I was able to get some rest. <clears throat> They'd come in and check on me probably every hour to see how far I was coming along, and I was not progressing at all.
0: Oh man,
1: like no pro- no progression, like no contractions, no uh, change in my body. He, Grayson, was doing okay. He wasn't. He wasn't having heart D-cells like he was like on the first round of induction meds so they were kind of feeling really positive so they kept pushing it up and then again all of a sudden out of nowhere his heart rate would drop every time i would move over into a different position his heart rate would drop Mm. so they started um i don't know it was probably about seven o'clock in the morning got in the epidural at four so they started talking about c-section because his heart rate kept dropping they couldn't they couldn't raise the induction meds I wasn't progressing at all like it was kind of becoming like a perfect storm of like he's gonna drop and he's gonna drop and there's gonna be a problem Mm -hmm. so I I really did not want to have a Mm c-section I was 35 weeks pregnant he is coming fairly early like five weeks early is 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 a lot Mm -hmm. like babies do a lot of growing within that last you know five weeks of pregnancy right and all I can think in my head is like I'm gonna have a baby in the hospital and I'm gonna have a c-section and I am going to not be able to deal with it it's gonna be too much for me to handle because I don't know if it's the same in the states but like you can't drive a car Mm. if you have a c-section right and so like I'm worried about my body like being able to handle this right right So I was really hoping to not be able to do the C-section. My mom finally arrived. Oh my gosh. (laughs) That morning, because she, like, lives two hours away. And Mm -hmm. she she got into mama bear mode. And, like, I was so grateful that I had her there. She Mm -hmm. was like... We're not having this baby by C-section. We're going to do this. We're going to help. She went into full mama bear mode. Oh, good. And yeah, I was so grateful that I was able to have her there. But uh, I think it was another round of induction meds. And they put the belly band on me to start monitoring him over the belly band. Mm -hmm. And they couldn't get a good enough reading. So they can do, they can insert like a Foley balloon and other things inside you vaginally to be able to monitor the baby that way. Mm-hmm. So I got those inserted to get better readings on him because they were really struggling with that. Mm-hmm. And and things were just not progressing. Like it had been mm-hmm. almost 20, 20 hours on induction meds and I was still at a zero. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Oh, how exhausting. Like, I'm panicking. Mm-hmm. Like why am I at a zero? Like, nothing is progressing. Like, my, my water broke naturally. Right. So you would think that my body would be able to, like, oh, time time to go, right? Right. And it was just not going. So mm-hmm. they actually gave me uh, a time. They said, if you are not progressing and things haven't changed by 7 p.m., mm-hmm. you are going for emergency surgery. You do not have a choice. Wow. C-section it is, if that's, like, if this is how it's going to go. Like, if I'm zero centimeters, like, how long? Like, how long do you keep pushing it, right? Because, like, right. induction meds are hard.
0: Yeah. They're,
1: they're not easy on your body. they're
0: Yeah, they're exhausting for you. They're exhausting for the baby. Mm-hmm.
1: It's, it's, I'm sure it's exhausting for the staff. And mind you, it's, it's their job, for sure. But, like, it's not, like, it's not an easy scenario. Right. Like, I never... As far as my birth plan goes, like, I never expected that induction would be it, right? Like, I was Mm -hmm. just assuming that, like, oh, if my body goes into preterm labor, I'm just, like, having the baby early, right? Right. It was never really something that kind of, like, popped in my head. We kept pushing up with the induction meds, and they were actually holding this third time. And it got to 6 o'clock, and they're like, we need you to sign papers for an emergency surgery. Oh, man. And Corey actually had left the hospital to run home to check on the dogs really quickly and grab some more items for me. Because, like, Mm -hmm. in a panic, I, like, didn't have anything. Mm -hmm. And I, like, could not sign these papers without my husband there. I was, like, really, really struggling. Really, really struggling. Mm -hmm. And he showed up, finally, and he's like, listen, babe, I can't make this decision for you. Mm -hmm. This is your decision your body you're the one that's going through all this fight he's like I can't I can't give you the yay or nay on this this is gonna be how you feel he's like I support you any which way how this turns out but you've got to make that decision Mm because I think I was really looking to him for guidance and comfort like what do you do right right anyway so you know how when your body just decides that it wants to push yep It's like nothing you can do can stop it. Mm -hmm. Your body is pushing and it goes. Yeah. All of a sudden, I just have this urge. I feel no contractions. I feel no pain. I just have this really weird urge to push. Interesting.
0: Did you have any other contractions or anything leading up to this?
1: So I had contractions. I never felt them, but they were very weak on like the monitors that were like hooked up. Okay. And they got they inserted the secondary monitor like inside me to try to get a better feel for what's going on because the external monitors weren't working and they couldn't get a good enough read. Mm-hmm. So all of the contractions that they were seeing were like crystal clear, but they were weak. Okay. It was okay. like my body wasn't doing what it could do. Like there was no contractions. It was like the weakest form of it.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Okay. I feel like it was all a blur. Like I just like, mm-hmm i had been, i had been up for almost 48 hours. I'm in the second day, 30 hours of induction medication. And I finally feel this urge to push, not much contraction. So what they're doing is like monitoring me on the monitor mm-hmm. to tell me you have a contraction coming. Can you feel it? We should just start to push. Mm-hmm. So we're really trying to rely on like science and like what they see on the monitor mm-hmm. And um, my mom is helping me. She's holding my legs. Corey is right up in the thick of it. And he's holding my legs. And they're like, if you don't progress in the next 10 minutes, you are going You're going for surgery. Oh, my gosh. And they come in and they're doing cervical checks and they're doing cervical sweeps to try and get things going. And I'm still second day induction meds and I'm still at a zero. Oh, my gosh.
0: At a zero. So, no, like, yes. no progression whatsoever.
1: Zero. At, at a zero. And so the shift change happens.
2: hmm
1: And this OB comes in and she's like, this is going to go one of two ways. You're going to miraculously go from zero to ten and be ready to push out a baby. Or we're carting it <laughs> down the hall. Like, mm-hmm. what are we doing? And mm-hmm. 10 minutes later, I went from zero centimeters dilated to nine centimeters dilated. You're
0: In 10 minutes? Yeah. Oh my God.
1: So she said it's very common with women who have a cervix like mine, where your body's not ready, your body's not ready, and all of a sudden the cervix is super ripe and it happens so quickly that you don't even notice it. She said that she'd only seen it twice before in her 20 year career. Wow! And I was so flipping grateful. I was like, "Yes!" Yeah, screaming to whatever, whoever would listen. No kidding. That we were doing it. We were doing it. So they gave me that timestamp of seven p.m., and this was like six twenty-eight. Like we were down to the wire. Wow! So we start. We start pushing. I pushed for forty-two minutes, and he was born at seven twenty-two p.m. Oh my gosh! Yeah. What a whirlwind. It was a whirlwind. I'm
0: like trying to wrap my head around you going from zero to nine in 10 minutes. Like, that blows Isn't my it mind.
1: It was crazy to me, too. Like, it was really disheartening the entire time. You're at a zero, getting the cervical checks, getting the sweeps, them checking. Like, the cervical sweeps are uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And I was, like, really willing to do whatever I could. Like, sweep me, whatever you're to do, Like us <laughs> Right. right. <laughs> And, like, the nurses at one point were, like, you're too calm. Like, do you need something? You're so quiet. Yeah. Like, what are we doing here? hmm I think Kendra said in her episode that she had a Scientology birth because she was so quiet. <laughs> she did say that. I, it really resonated with me because I was also super quiet, which is, like, not my personality. I don't know if you... <laughs> uh, you know, you're, you're just such a
0: timid soul, you know?
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it was 40 minutes of pushing down to the wire, and he was born. And I don't know, do you guys do the Apgar scale?
0: Yes. Mm-hmm.
1: Okay, so he had an Apgar score of 9. Beautiful. Which, which is amazing, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. But he was five weeks early, and he was born vaginally like we had dreamed zero to nine in a very brief second but the whole NICU team was in the room wow. right uh-huh. and there was probably about ten of the NICU staff and they, they whisked him away right away he cried I'm feeling okay uh-huh. they bring him back on my chest to have that first little moment of bonding time
2: uh-huh.
1: and it literally felt like ten seconds it felt like he was on my chest for a blink of an eye and he was gone and I remember looking at Cory and I said, you need to follow that baby. You need to go with that baby. I am fine. You need to be with him. Mm-hmm. Like, under no circumstances are you to let him out of your sight. And they whisked him to the NICU. Oh, wow. Five, week, five weeks early. He had an APGAR of nine. He was five pounds, 12 ounces. And he was having major heart D
0: Oh my gosh. And did they, is that what they told you when they like suddenly kind of had to whisk him away? Did they yeah, recognize they had that? Told me,
1: yeah. So they had told me at the time that they want to make sure that he is a hundred percent healthy. Given the fact that he's five weeks early, mm-hmm. a lot of premature babies have like lung issues at the beginning because like lungs are one of the last things to develop. Mm-hmm. They just want to make sure that he's happy and healthy. So right. they whisked him away. I'm delivering the placenta Corey didn't want to cut the cord. Mm -hmm. I'll just, like, loop back to that. Corey didn't want to cut the cord. He did not want to look down there at all. But my (laughs) mom was super jazzed. So because Corey didn't want to, I had asked my mom, like, do you want to cut the cord? Do Mm -hmm. you want to do all that stuff? So she did. They whisked him away to the NICU. I sent Corey to follow. And Mm -hmm. I just kind of sat there in shell shock. I mean... You kind of always just expect that you have your baby, you have that beautiful moment of silence together, and then you can kind of, like, <sighs> this major life moment is gone. Mm-hmm. But he went to the NICU and he didn't come back.
0: Oh, my gosh. And did, yeah. Did they give you any sort of timeline? Like, hey, we're checking things out. This is when you'll get to see him again. Or this is when we're going to take you to go see him.
1: Yeah, so they said, we're checking him out. This is better safe than sorry. When you are feeling rested, you can come see him. The nurse will walk you down to where the NICU is.
2: Okay.
1: So immediately my red flags are going up. Like, he's going to the NICU and staying. Mm -hmm. He is not coming back. They're not just checking on him. And I start to get, like, worried, right? Right. I am exhausted at this point. I haven't slept. Corey is with him. I am just trying to take a minute to myself. I'm starving. I'm a mess. I'm a whirlwind of emotion, right? Mm -hmm. So I take some rest. They're delivering the placenta. Everything is doing good. I'm happy. I'm healthy. Um, And Corey comes back from the NICU. And he, I mean, all of the big emotions. He's perfect. They say he's healthy, but he's having these heart D-cells. They want to check on him. He's on a CPAP machine because they think his lungs are underdeveloped. Mm -hmm. They want to make sure that he can breathe right. This is just 100% safety precaution to see how he's doing over the next 24 to 48 hours. And I'm like, okay. Okay. I can handle it. I can deal with it. Mm -hmm. The first thing Corey does is order me food. God bless him. Because I can eat. (laughs) I think we spent... $100 $100 that day. Oh, my God. <laughs> on food. And I think I ate three bites of it. <laughs> like typical, typical fashion, right? Right. Oh, That's hilarious. I was so exhausted. Like the meds are like, still like raging through my system. Like I couldn't even eat. Mm-hmm. So I remember trying to get some rest. And the doctor's coming to check on me. And they asked, like, are you ready to go see him? And I'm like, you bet. You mm-hmm. bet I am. So they wheeled me through to the NICU, which is on the same, same floor, opposite sides. Okay. But the really unfortunate part of the NICU, because of COVID, is they are, the NICU is only allowed one person at a time.
0: Oh, my gosh. So I
1: couldn't go see my baby with my husband. It was one parent at a time. Oh. And even though my mom was in the delivery room with me at the time... She was not allowed in the NICU at all. Oh, my gosh.
0: Oh, that'd be so hard. Oh, with a fresh new baby. It was.
1: It was really hard, especially, like, for my mom being, like, a support person in the room with me, right? Like, mm-hmm. she got a glimpse of him, didn't get to hold in, was kind of there as a support person, but wasn't allowed to kind of be close to him. Oh. So I went I went to the NICU because I hadn't seen him and I probably sat there, I don't know, seven or eight hours that night. The really great thing about the NICU up there is, like, you can come and go as you please. Mm-hmm. The staff is there all the time, mm-hmm. bonding time. But, like, he's in a box. He's in an incubator. He's got a CPAP machine. He's got wires. He's got heart monitors. Mm-hmm. Like, I can't even hold my baby, Kate.
0: Oh, my heart. Oh, I can't It's imagine. never
1: something. It's never something that you expect to go through like even as like a preterm like even knowing the risk Mm -hmm. even though even though I knew the risk that I was like having like a preterm baby Mm -hmm. I never imagined that first moment with my baby in the hospital was going to be looking at him through an incubator with tubes and a CPAP machine and wires hooked up to him that was never in a million years what's going through my brain right so, we were really fortunate. My mom was staying super close to the hospital at my brother and my sister-in-law's house. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were only about a 10-minute drive away from the hospital. So, she went there just to spend the night uh, with them. And she was allowed to come and go, but visiting hours were from, like, 9 in the morning, I think, to 8 o'clock at night. Okay. So, she left for the day. She was allowed to come back the next day. Um, I sent Corey home because I was just going to be in the NICU. Mm-hmm. Chilling with Grayson, we were only allowed one person at a time, the dogs could use some love. Mm-hmm. So I sent Corey home to try and get a good night's sleep, because I thought that that would be better for both of us.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I slept in the NICU chair. Mm-hmm. My first night with my baby was me sleeping in the NICU chair.
0: Oh, Jacqueline.
1: <sighs> it was really tough, because we didn't have any support people. One person in the NICU at a time. hmm My mom wasn't allowed to be in the NICU. She was only, like, doing when she could from afar. Right. I was healing really good. So I ended up being released from the hospital. I think they released me after three days. But they Mm -hmm. told me that I could go home after two. But allowed me to stay the third day because they weren't very busy. And Grayson was there. Right. So, like, that was, like, really sweet of them. Mm Mm-hmm. And it was really nice because I really had no idea what the next month was going to be in store for us. Right. We were smack dab in the middle of a pandemic and life was shut down. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden I have a baby in the NICU.
0: Right. And so I know that he initially went because of the heart D and the worries about yeah. his lungs. Over the course right. of those three days, did those issues persist or was it different concerns?
1: They persisted. Uh, the the heart palpitations and the heart D-cells persisted. Okay. So he had his um, CPAP machine off I think it was within 48 hours. Okay. So he didn't have any issues with breathing after that. I think a lot of it is just precaution because mm-hmm. lungs are one of the last things to fully develop. Mm-hmm. But he was having what's called bradycardia episodes. Okay. Where your heart dips to extremely low beats. And then they have a hard time coming back up or they take a lot longer than a normal heartbeat would to come back up Okay. and would need intervention for his heartbeat to come back up. Mm. So he's hooked up to these monitors. And every time that he has one of these D cells, the alarms ring so the doctors and the nurses can come in Okay. and they're, co- they're, they're going off anywhere from every 10 minutes to every hour. Like it wow. it, it was like a huge range. Mm-hmm. Now I'm we're lucky in the sense that Grayson is a very healthy boy. Mm-hmm. He was in the NICU because he was premature and he was having these episodes, but he he wasn't he wasn't sick other than that. Right. Okay. Like he he was in the NICU because of his prematurity. Okay. But we were there for just shy of thirty days. Oh wow!
0: So these so all these like episodes continued all throughout that month
1: yeah so he needed to be free of any bratty bratty is what they called them uh-huh. he was being bratty. <laughs> he needed to be free of these bratty episodes for five days before okay. they would even consider him to be released mm-hmm. but he was also having feeding issues mm. so he's they they call male babies lazy. I don't know if you ever heard that. <laughs> I have not. <laughs> so in our hospital, they would always tell me, well he is he is a white male baby. He is a Caucasian male baby, and they are notorious for being lazy. <laughs> so he I know it's funny, and I like like I kind of like, Corey makes fun of me for peeing on the couch all the time, and I say, "Well, your baby is lazy." <laughs> I love it. So he wouldn't want to eat. He was tired all the time. And I think that like, I think every baby, Mm -hmm. and I'm sure you can attest to this, but I think every baby has issues with feeding when they're born, Mm -hmm. whether it's a hard latch or, or they're tired and they fall asleep while breastfeeding. Like I think every baby has an issue with feeding or, or most babies. I shouldn't say all. Mm-hmm. But Grayson really struggled. So he was on a feeding tube mm-hmm. where they would um, give him formula because my breast milk hadn't come in. Okay. Um, but we really wanted to try, like, the, breast, the breastfeeding. So it's like triple feeding in the hospital. So he is being fed through a tube on a timer to slow feed him because we don't want to overload him with Formula, mm-hmm. and we're putting him to the breast so he can get that positive association with breastfeeding.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And anything that he wasn't getting, we were trying to bottle feed to after. So this kid is literally constantly being fed with food. Mm-hmm. So we never really had to fight for it.
0: Okay.
1: Um, I think it's a common theme amongst NICU moms, where a lot of their babies struggle with food. Mm-hmm. And for me, I mean, over and above these bratty episodes where he's like having these D cells and he can't and he can't bring himself out of it, like we started to get this feeling like he was just like not hungry' because he was getting fed all the time, sure, like i don't know, I don't know about you, but like if you graze all day and you snack all day, you're not gonna be hungry, right? right? That makes sense, yeah, so this whole process, much like triple feeding at home takes so long Uh like how is your baby supposed to eat but Uh I mean like you believe the hospital you believe the NICU staff they tell you that this is what other babies do this is their process Uh so he would we would we would then try him to breast and then we would give him a bottle and if he didn't take it which he wasn't because all he wanted to do was sleep Uh then we'd have to tube feed him Okay. Uh, my tube feed would take forty five minutes, and then he, we would get cuddles, and I would read him a book, and it was like the silliest book. It was called rumple Buttercup, but like Aww. a completely different story. Mm-hmm. And and it would just be all over again. So he would have these bratty episodes, and I'd be sitting in the chair, and I'd be terrified. And then it would be feeding time, and I would put him to the breasts and he would scream, and then. We'd give him a bottle, and he wouldn't want the bottle. He just want to fall asleep. So then we'd tube feed him, and it was, it was draining to say it positively, but I was exhausted. Oh, sure. I I was discharged from the hospital. My mom went home because she couldn't help me. Um, we could only have one parent in the in the in the NICU at one time. Mm-hmm. Corey took about a week off, but he had to go back to work after. And I had two kids at home and two dogs at home. And I was stuck in the middle of a pandemic dealing with a baby in the NICU. Mm. And I've never gone through anything harder in my life. So COVID protocols at the hospital at this this point are even more intense. Because you're now in a ward with tiny babies Mm
0: -hmm. who have,
1: like, lowered immune systems. Right. So we would get checkpointed at... The entrance of the hospital,
2: uh-huh.
1: and they would ask you a series of like COVID questions. You'd get a new mask, you'd sanitize your hands if you were able to, wash your hands if you couldn't. Uh-huh. And then you'd go to the next checkpoint, go up the elevator, then you'd get buzzed into the next entrance where you'd have to sign into a sheet and you'd have to wash your hands and put on a new mask, and then get buzzed into another door. And then you'd be able to go into the NICU. Like it was quite staged. Like it was, there Mm -hmm. was a, like my hands wouldn't even be dry from the first stage to the second stage to wash my hands. Mm
2: -hmm. That's
1: how quick it is in between. Mm -hmm. But I mean, looking back on the time now, I just feel like I was an autopilot. I had just given birth. I was exhausted and not sleeping. Mm Mm-hmm. I was worried about my baby who was in the NICU who mm-hmm. was losing weight day by day by day. Mm-hmm. And he was having these bratty episodes and we were, like, fighting and feeding and my milk wasn't coming in and there was just a lot coming from every single angle. hmm And I think this situation would have been easier if COVID wasn't here.
0: I mean, having to go through... Everything in the NICU and just in general on, you know, a non-pandemic birth and like needing to go through all those extra protocols that you normally would and then adding COVID on top of it. I feel like I was in such a panic and I wasn't in the NICU with Alfie. I was in such a panic yeah. about germs and everything, and who can see him, who can't? What am I doing to keep him safe? You know, whom am I coming in contact with, and everything like that? I can't imagine the amount of added stress that that had on you, going in and out of the NICU every
1: day. Yeah, it was it was draining, but like I think you kind of get into the sense of like autopilot. Mm-hmm. Like your baby's there, you do what you got to do, and they say that. Like, babies do well when their families are there. Mm -hmm. So they told me, like, babies do well when families are there, so you need to be here all the time. Mm -hmm. So I would get up at 6 o'clock in the morning, and I'd get ready, and I'd, you know, leave notes for the older boys. Mm -hmm. And I would go to the hospital, and I would spend, like, 7 to, like, noon at the hospital. And I would drive home from the hospital and I'd walk the dogs and I'd make sure the kids were eating and I'd make sure that they needed what they'd need and then I'd go back to the hospital and I would go through the whole check again and go through all the checkpoints and go up to the NICU and stay until like 8 or 9 p.m. Wow. And then I would come home and I would like fall asleep but it wasn't a restful sleep. Mm-hmm. And like I think that's like the best way that I can describe it. it is just like you're in autopilot.
0: Right oh I, that would be yeah like you said utterly just exhausting
1: <laughs> yeah for sure so uh we were in in the NICU it's set up in pods okay so there are two babies in each pod and there's one nurse for each of the two babies so they're right side by side so the nurse doesn't have to be very far mm-hmm. and it was I don't know if there was like a baby boom where we were or if they were transferring women from other hospitals, but there was a time in our NICU journey where the NICU was so busy that we had three babies in a pod. Oh, wow. Yeah. So we were pushed into a corner and I have this photo and this photo is like the like most bizarre thing I have in the world where there's three babies in a corner where there's three babies in this room with chairs for the mothers or for the parents or birthing partners or whatever Mm -hmm. the case may be beside the little like pushy carts where the babies like sleep Mm -hmm. and there's three of us in this corner and like i remember being stuck behind this partition trying to breastfeed while i'm hearing these other people like worry beside you about their own baby
0: oh wow
1: like it was just it was just a bizarre times (laughs) no kidding yeah, so oh. Grayson, Grayson is still having D-cells at this point. He's having these bratty moments. His feeding is not getting better. Mm-hmm. His weight is dropping incredibly. And I think he got up to losing 14% of his body weight. Oh, wow. Which is a lot for a baby. He only weighed 5 pounds, 12 ounces. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, it was, it was tough. Um, I remember... When the bratty started to get better, I was, like, feeling super excited and super positive. It kind of, like, felt like we were having this light at the end of the tunnel. Mm-hmm. But we couldn't kick these feeding issues. Okay. So we'd go through the same process of him going to the breast and him not eating and then trying the bottle and him not eating. And then we would put him on the on the slow tube feed Mm-hmm. and that would just be it. And so it was it almost felt like how how can your baby ever get hungry if they don't have a chance to be hungry?
0: Sure. Yeah, they don't they don't know how to react to that.
1: Right. So I I don't know. I always felt I don't know about the medical system in the states. I can't speak for you guys, but I always felt like your doctor should have your best interest at heart.
0: Absolutely. Yeah.
1: Hands down. That's always that's always how I've felt, right? Mm-hmm. And so in my brain, I how is it that tube feeding my baby constantly without giving him a fighting chance to try and feed for himself? How is this beneficial? Mm-hmm. So, I don't know if you watch Grey's Anatomy or any of those medical shows, but oh, they yes. actually do like doctor rounds. Mm-hmm. Those are a real thing. Didn't know, just thought they were a TV show thing. <laughs> But they Uh actually do like doctor's rounds and so every morning, every morning the doctors would come around and they'd like assess your baby and like you could be a part of it and you could listen to it. Mm -hmm. And they actually encourage the parents to like speak up and talk about like your baby and your child. So like any opportunity I could to ask questions or poke my brain in or whatever the case may be, I was like right there. And at one point I actually had to ask the doctor like, let's pull this tube out. Mm -hmm. and they fought me tooth and nail and it wasn't until i don't know three days later when the shift changed and we got a new pediatrician a new neonatologist Mm -hmm. who was actually willing to give us a chance and pull his tube out and see how he did that grayson started to really excel oh really yeah so we got this doctor to like get in and say yeah let's pull this tube out for 48 hours and see how this kid does mm-hmm. that we were able to pull the tube and Grayson started to flourish he was hungry after not being able to eat for three hours mm-hmm. he was fighting it was a real long tough road mm-hmm. but we eventually got there and his bratty's were only happening every once in a while and We were on a care plan, and he was on a prescription for caffeine. Oh. Like baby coffee, but like fancy. Baby coffee. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so he'd have like caffeine every day, and the caffeine is to stimulate like brain growth, which would then make his heart not have these D cells because like it's just like it's just growing he just needs to grow so the caffeine yeah. is able to stimulate and help him grow like just a little bit faster
0: I've never heard of that interesting
1: yeah so he was on caffeine and then he was like on sodium for a while because he was like skin and bones so the sodium is like a supplement to help him grow better
2: mm-hmm.
1: and he was then like feeding and he was like really doing good at bottle feeds and really struggling at breastfeeding but I mean I was willing to like do whatever I could to get him to get out of the hospital so I was like it it was almost to a point where I was willing to give up my breastfeeding journey Mm -hmm. if he was going to drink as much bottle as he could so Mm -hmm. we could get him home because that was all I wanted I wanted to bring my baby home right? right yeah so things were going good we got the bottle out or the tube out Team is doing really good on the bottle and uh yeah I think it was about 30 days just under 30 days and we got the all clear to bring him home and I don't even know that I remember everything that happened in those 30 days <laughs>
0: uh, I the first month of motherhood is such a blur when you're even at home and relaxed and you don't have all these extra you know things going on I can't I, I I'm sure in the NICU, that's just even more so elevated of just days blurring into nights. go Like you said, autopilot just going in and out of the hospital constantly. So, yeah, yeah. I, I totally believe that.
1: A really good upside to um, uh, COVID. One positive that came out of it was we weren't allowed to pay for parking. Oh, there you go. Because like touching machines and like using your card and like cross contamination, it oh, sure. shut down the parking meters. So oh, yeah, we actually go. didn't have to pay for the hospital parking. <laughs> we worked out the math. We worked out the math. It would have been over $1,000 for us to park at the hospital for the 30 for the thirty days that we were there. 33 oh. days that we were there total. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. Yeah. Like why would you, right? I mean you can get parking passes for sure and I think that if we needed to we would have looked at that rope. But I was like, Hey, look at all the money we saved on parking.
0: The silver linings.
1: <laughs> right? All those things, you gotta find them. But
0: So you finally get the all clear to go home. What was that day like?
1: Oh, it was amazing. I mean, I can't tell you how many times Corey was like, we're gonna break this baby out of here. (laughs) Which is not an appropriate thing to say to your NICU nurse.
0: Yeah, I'm just gonna shawshank redemption this baby and we're gonna be out of here. Pretty
1: sure. Yeah, pretty sure they would have called security on Corey a number of times if he hadn't clarified that he was only half joking. Yeah. But it was it was amazing. Like, I think like, it was it was almost surreal. Like, we didn't really believe it. And there was a lot of, like, office, uh, I guess, hospital semantics at the time. And so they wanted us to be in, like, a care-to-patient room. I don't know if they have those in the States. Mm-hmm. So it was like, you have a special needs baby. He mm-hmm. is in the NICU. He requires extra care and attention. So we don't want you to go home right away. We want you to do, like, a trial test period in our hospital. Oh, Okay. So it's like with a, a doctor there. So it's like, a, like a, we want
0: we want you to like kind of do it on your own, but just in case, do it here.
1: Yeah, and I at first I was like, okay, whatever I need to do to get out of here. But like I, I kind of like thought about it more and more, and I was like, I just want to go home. Mm-hmm. Like I understand that this gives me an opportunity to kind of like care for him, like here I guess with you guys kind of like safety, but like. I've been doing that anyway. I've been here 18 hours a day, every single day for the last 30 days. Like, I feel like I can take care of my own baby. Mm-hmm. I don't feel like I need this extra step. And it just felt like it was almost like one more, like, ugh, is this another hurdle that we're going to have to get through? Mm-hmm. It turned out that we didn't have to do it. I would have okay. done it if I needed to, but it was just kind of like, it was almost like a, Really? This? One more thing? Yeah. But I remember the morning that we got the all clear at the doctor's rounds. Mm -hmm. We had his little outfit, like, we had his little outfit ready. And we were there and they got the rounds and they did the rounds and they agreed that he could go home. So we just started to take off like his like tubes or like his like heart monitors and stuff because mm-hmm. like you'd have to change them every day so like we were well versed in how to take care of a medical baby with tubes and wires and everything mm-hmm. and like so Corey started to take them off and like all of the nurses came running like what are you doing oh my and gosh Corey's like well you told us we can go
0: <laughs> we're going now <laughs>
1: We're like, yeah, you could, but, like, we need to sign papers. We need to oh my take out of, like, all of his, like, medical wires. Like, I just remember <laughs> laughing because we were so excited to be able to go home with him. We're like, we're breaking young kid. We're doing it now.
0: Yeah. took You took it very literally. Yeah.
1: Literally. Okay, <laughs> we're ready to go. Time to go. So, mm-hmm. I don't know. Oh, what yeah, relief, it was, though. It was, it was. It was it was a relief, and I remember we didn't tell anybody that we were going home, because we didn't want to jinx it, because we thought that if we said, oh, he's going to break out today, that something would happen, and he'd have a bratty episode, or whatever the case mm-hmm. may be. So it was like, we were in the car, I was in the back seat with Grayson, and we were leaving, and we're like FaceTiming our families to be like, we broke out! Finally! hmm
0: yeah. Oh, that'd be great.
1: Yeah, it was. It was a whirlwind of emotions for mm-hmm. sure.
0: How was how was it once you got home?
1: It was great, honestly. I was like really worried about him though. Like do we buy the fancy monitors to make sure that he's not having more decels? Mm-hmm. Would they have sent him home if there was a risk? Like I think like normal first mom paranoia and anxiety is just like heightened to that point because like you already did have issues. Mm-hmm. Like, obsessively, like, stared at the monitor all night long, even though he was, like, three feet from me. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. Like, sitting beside me in bed, like, like, his little bassinet beside the bed and stuff. But mm-hmm. it was it was bittersweet. It was very, very bittersweet. It was, we were happy to be home. I think there was no greater feeling. Mm-hmm.
0: I love that. I'm just, like, I'm soaking in, like, your happiness right now.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I'm just smiling so big.
0: (laughs) Dad, me too. (laughs) That's seriously an incredible story, though. And I can't imagine just the the jumps that it felt like you had to, like, or the hoops you had to really jump through.
1: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. There were a lot of highs, for sure, and a lot of good wins. And, like, I remember when he'd be, like, four days bratty free, we'd be, like, on the edge of our feet, just so excited. And then there were some extreme lows and like things you don't ever think that are gonna get thrown at you. It was, it was, it was an experience that I can never, you can't compare it to anything. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Motherhood and childbirth is just crazy to begin with. And such an amazing feat to begin with. You just, I don't know. I'm humbled. I think.
0: That is a great way to put it. And now you have a beautiful, healthy boy, and Grayson is doing wonderful.
1: He is. He is in the 99.9th percentile <laughs> for height. Like, this kid is a giant.
0: <laughs> he took those NICU stats, and he blew him out of the water.
1: He literally did, but he is, like, 50th percentile for per wage. Like, he is this little string bean. Oh. Super hungry, like never can get enough to eat now. Like he's like mm-hmm. a shell of what he once was,
0: you know? Yeah. <laughs> I'm too cute. Well, looking back on your experience and kind of seeing it with the eyes you have now, uh, is there any advice that you would give to another mother who is looking at childbirth um, or, you know, Getting closer to labor and delivery, or potentially has a uh, a NICU baby themselves. Is there any advice that you would give to another mom?
1: Yeah, I thought about this long and hard because I knew that this question was coming because mm-hmm. you've 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 asked <laughs> this to everyone else. So mm-hmm. I I did I did I put a lot of thought into this, and I think I think if I could give one little nugget to any mom would be to advocate for yourself. And to trust your gut feelings. Mm. I mean, I I told Mm. you that I never thought that I would have to advocate for my own baby to try and get him to eat on his own. Mm -hmm. But I think that we shouldn't discount ourselves as mothers, even though we're new mothers. Mm -hmm. The gut feeling that you get about your own baby, if you feel something specific or super strongly about a scenario that you think you might that you think you might have an idea that's going to benefit your babe advocate for yourself Mm -hmm. speak up say something because there's nobody in this world that knows your baby as well as you have growing them in your tummy for nine Mm -hmm. months you are you are the one person that has that rare insight so yeah Mm -hmm. advocate for yourself advocate for yourself.
0: That is perfect. I, I could not agree more with that. That's, I think that's one thing that people do forget that. I mean, they're literally a part of you for nine months and then they're suddenly outside of you, but you still have so much intuition and connection with that baby. Yeah. And, and there's, yeah, there's definitely something to be said for that. So
1: you're one person. There's definitely something to be said for that. Hmm.
0: Well, Thank you so much for sharing your story with me and with everyone who's listening. I oh I just I felt so much emotion throughout the entire thing and I, I really appreciate you being so vulnerable with it.
1: Yeah, thank you so much for having me, Kate. Thank you so much for allowing me to be a part of this project of yours. I'm just grateful.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. And thank you everyone listening at home. Um, we're gonna keep these first stories coming because I think that they're important to continue telling. And I'm having a lot of fun. So I I hope you had a lot of fun too.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I definitely did.
0: That's all for this week. And we'll catch you back next week. Bye. Hey, Panda family. Thank you for listening. For episode updates and more, you can check us out on Facebook and Instagram. Our handle is at Panda Babes Podcast. That's P-A-N-D-E-B-A-B-E-S-P-O-D-C-A-S-T. Or you can email us at pandababespodcast at gmail.com. I would also love it if you could rate and review the show on whichever app you're currently streaming so other listeners can find the Panda Babes podcast too. See you next week.